Hello friends, how's it going? My name is Matt Bart and you listen to the Looking Sideways Action Sports Podcast, the show where I try and uncover life through the lens of surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding and other related endeavours. Thank you for joining me and I hope you enjoy this episode. Now I have got one of snowboarding's modern greats, I think it's fair to say, on the show today. Back for his second visit, it's the great Elias L. Hart. Elias, as you'll know if you've listened to our first conversation, or if you do keep up with snowboarding culture in the slightest, is one of snowboarding's true originals. Sure, he's one of the most highly regarded riders in the world, with the CV and film parts to prove it, but really, and this is why I'm such a fan of Elias and why we've ended up becoming friends, he is one of our great thinkers. He's somebody for whom snowboarding is as much a forum for inward examination as it is a physical activity. And over the last five years, Elias has been quietly compiling um, a body of work that proves this point. There was Contradiction, the film in which he explored his own relationship to professional snowboarding. There was Narciss, in which he visited Kosovo on a snowboard trip that really um, examined the background to that much contested land. And now in his latest film, Invisible Ground, he turns his attention to one of the most important and not really properly explored areas of interest, our relationship collectively and individually to fear, risk and vulnerability. Now, that isn't to say that these topics aren't frequently discussed. I mean, they very much are. But as um, Elias contends both in the film and during our discussion, these considerations traditionally skirt around the issue and tend to devolve into cliche and trope. Um, And... There's a really interesting part of the conversation actually where Elias kind of explains his viewpoint there. And that's really why Invisible Ground is a much more naturalistic treatment of these themes, which sees Elias and his friend Xavier Delarue confront their own attitude to this near constant in their lives and ask themselves some insightful and at times uncomfortable questions about our collective approach and attitude to these themes. Now, as you'll know, if you've followed me for a while, This type of thing is right up my strasser. And the thing about Elias, as you'll hear, is how insightful he is and how penetrating these insights into this and other themes are. Now, I'm lucky enough, like I mentioned, to count Elias as a friend. So this was just a really lovely catch-up for us. I think you'll be able to tell we had a good time with this conversation. Um, bit of noise in the background. I'm back in the shed. I said this a couple of times recently. I've got the it's you know it's pretty warm. I've had the, the windows open, so I think you can hear peg at one point. You can definitely hear a lot of seagulls. Um, but that's like I always say, that's how we roll on here. Um, so I hope you can get past that if you do quibble on podcast noise because I know people are sensitive about this stuff. Um, But anyway, I will be back at the end. In the meantime, here is me and Elias, different hearts beating. That's what I mean. Is it a different one? It's a different one, yeah. Ah, Right, so so you you haven't got that amazing view anymore. Uh, I'm not sure. Might be just as good or better. Oh, wow. Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> That's pretty sick, isn't it? Yeah, I live with uh, two other roommates here. And, and that's uh, that's still in Innsbruck? Still in Innsbruck, yeah. And nice. Yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. So, um, well, we might as well get straight into it. I mean, okay. as soon as we, you know, we know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe check if the mic and everything. Sounds good to me. Works well for you? Yeah. 
Sounds pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Is it the little US, like one of the little USB ones? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it sounds good. Sounds good. To be honest, it's a cool. pleasure not having to explain to somebody how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> Someone wow. who's actually like come on with it all working is is great. Yeah. Cool. Um, so we last saw each other at Kendall. Um, yeah. When we had that quick beer. And right. you, so remind me, were you showing the film there? Like, did yeah. you have a, yeah, and I had a clash, didn't I? And that was, so the film had just come out, hadn't it, at that point? Was that the first showing that you did there? No, no, I think we had a couple of showings already, um, especially a own premiere in, in Innsbruck for it. Yeah, okay. But yeah, of course, it was really nice to come to Kendall and see all the other films and all the other filmmakers. So yeah, yeah. How did you find Kendall? Was that your first trip? I was there already a couple of years ago, but uh, it was really cool to come back. And I don't know. I think it's really special for our outdoor community. Or I feel like events like this, where the political approach to our sport is so much in the center, yeah, are rare. Um, and there I thought it was really present in all the talks and all the films and everything. It wasn't just about the sport. The sport was used as a platform Yeah. Uh, for all these other subjects that are somewhat close to it. Um, so I thought this was super interesting. And I was just a little overwhelmed by like how many things are going on. Yeah, there's a lot. Really pre- there's a lot yeah and i think when we when we caught up it was like saturday night wasn't it and it was you know everyone was a bit like let's have a beer (laughs) it's it's quite a lot to take in now you're right i think i think you gotta give credit to steve and jackie and everybody that runs kendall for that actually because just that point you make about the way that they've made it a space to have quite challenging conversations at points really and they've definitely done that because i've been lucky enough to go to Kendall for years really and I know Steve in particular quite well and he's definitely done that as like a conscious thing to try and create that um, opportunity for people to have those discussions but also I think has taken a lot of shit for it to, to be honest because obviously it is quite some people don't really like that approach I think do they you know there's there's that whole I mean you must get this as well there's that whole strain of like oh can't we just keep it about the riding can't we just keep it about the activities and sometimes those discussions can just make people a bit uncomfortable i think but i I do i do agree with you i think it's great the way that they've kind of made it like that almost like that's what that festival is about now really because it's quite a natural home for you isn't it with your approach to to snowboarding films for example yeah i thought it was amazing to see all the other people having um similar approaches through their uh, field of expertise through their sports and their stories they wanted to share um so yeah but i don't know what like what do you think the the real criticism is there because you think that the sport should stick to itself like just a, sort of the performance driven aspect of it or it shouldn't branch out to so many other subjects why do i think it's getting criticized yeah, yeah. um interesting uh, question. Uh, yeah it's I, I, I mean, per, I mean, you know me. Like personally, I don't understand it because I, I'm strongly sort of. This is why I admire your film so much. Like, I strongly believe that. I mean, this is what this whole podcast is about. Like, you know, that there that, that that these activities are as good a vehicle as anything to explore bigger issues. That I mean, I fundamentally believe that. I've always believed that. 
and because they enrich our lives so much like why would they not be you know and that's and we'll get to your film but that's exactly what your film's about isn't it like how they offer us a a way to explore big themes let's put it like that so i think for me it's it's unusual someone asked me a direct question on it i quite like it <laughs> i think for me like people are just uncomfortable with with some of the newer conversations i think if i think if if like you're comfortable with with the topic you know like let's just take the topic of um you know like giving women more of a voice in in outdoor for example i mean that's just a completely uncontroversial opinion that everybody with who's right-minded would agree with i think you know that 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 the focus has been too much on men and there should be more room for women to make films about women by women for women like you know where i've just kind of plucked that but i think if you then start getting into the topic of uh you know diversity in the community and diversity and on and, and the topic in like you know for example like trans participation which are which are a bit more you know a bit more nuanced um some people just really don't like having that that conversation in this arena that they consider to be non-political i i, mm. I think it comes down to that really but i personally think that the idea that it isn't political is silly because because when it comes down to it like you know it, everything is to a degree political <laughs> i mean it just is like so i i, I kind of think it's down to do with that and and I, I guess that's why i said that i applaud the guys behind kendall and steve and jackie the organizers for just you know just just pushing a little bit just kind of just just creating room for those conversations i mean what what do you think is it something that you notice do you get do you get that criticism about your films well i think generally speaking i think it's uh i really like the involvement that um politics really have found their way into our realm into our sports because like you said i feel like it always has been political you cannot in living in a democracy you cannot really avoid being political in in one way or another with sort of the set of values you're communicating, especially in a sport like snowboarding that communicated a whole lifestyle. So it wasn't just about like, okay, you strap in just then that moment, but it really communicated a whole lifestyle of, of values of, of how you travel the world or consume sort of a great, uh, well, products, but also experiences. Yeah. It's a whole idea of how you approach the world. Um, and also as far as the role of women and men goes, like if you go back and and how that was portrayed. So all that has been political without ever naming it as such. And I think without I completely ever having, agree. without ever having a conversation about it. And I thought that was unfortunate and also almost dangerous because I feel like we went through a phase that was very apolitical for for quite a long stretch like for me growing up i i guess one of the things that people aspired towards was more like having a red bull logo on their head than actually standing in for values yeah. um and and that's okay like i don't want to criticize individuals in this regard but just for the culture that we grew up in it wasn't really um very much of a debate it was it was this high life and 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 everything and i think this time is more or less over um with the world kind of breaking in you know like with everything of starting with covid um 
Me Too, uh, whatever, Ukraine. There's been so many huge debates, worldwide debates that you cannot hide from anymore. And I think it's not a matter of like the snowboard world or outdoor world bringing it up. It's more like they're adapting to where what the zeitgeist is. That zeitgeist ha has, has become so much more political. And now and I see like young people in, in school or, or even in, in university, I think that it has become a lot more of a culture to discuss these issues. Um, and, and so it has sort of taken place in our uh, world as well. And, and hopefully so, or rightfully so, I think that's, that's great. It does. Um, and, and I think, that, like I said, it's not just say like in ski racing, you, you stop the time from going from A to B, but we're telling stories. And, yeah. and so it's a matter of how these stories are loaded with which sort of values, um, what, what these stories want to tell, what these want to engage. So I think it's, it's great that they do it in, in some ways, um, conscious on, on some subjects there. Yeah. Uh, I, I think to add to this one criticism that you can have is, is sort of the role of the brands that, that are also taking advantage of this. I mean, this is just an sort of inherently inherent factor in all of this is that we're more or less brand financed in, in most of our endeavors. Yeah. And so they want to like jump on board and be a part of whatever fighting climate change, um, promoting diversity, um, women's rights and all that. And that oftentimes has a bit of a bad taste to it. If it's, if, if it, if it doesn't come from a place that's sincere and really wants to change something. And I think I totally can relate to that criticism and I, and I get that. And I think that's a really thin line, so to say. Yeah, I, I think I pretty much won't surprise you to hear, agree with most of what you say, really. And a couple of points I would just add is, like you say, it is all political. Like the choice, for example, again, let's just take a random example, like the choice to not pay women equal prize money, like historically, that's a choice that somebody somebody has made a choice to do that and that makes it political when it comes down to it they might not realize it you know they might they might they might rationalize it by saying oh less people want to watch it or whatever whatever you do but in doing that you are perpetuating that status quo and it and it requires other people to come in and change that i mean that's a pretty good definition of politics right there um and then the other thing i would say is the thing that always kind of blows my mind a little bit when people criticize it as well especially in the in the um you know in terms of like content films you know there's still a lot of trick porn out there <laughs> if that's what you want to watch you know if you just want to you know to use a phrase that i that reflects my viewpoint bury your head in the sand a little bit or slash indulge in some escapism let's let's put it a bit more politely you can easily do that I would say most of the stuff that comes out is still that. It's not. We're not talking like a a flood of of this. You know, slightly more challenging, thought provoking content, really. So, yeah, I I think it's healthy. I think it. I think it means. Well, I mean, this brings us very very nicely to your film because I think what what's really fascinating about your film and also all your work really because if you look at contradiction if you look at narcissus which i probably pronounced wrong um and now invisible ground you know they are exploring this territory aren't they you know in, in narcissus that was 
a subtle look at the geopolitics of that region, like the 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 the, the things that have again through the lens of snowboarding contradiction was obviously about your own relationship to snowboarding to professional snowboarding and now this is about your relationship and xavier's and by extension everybody's relationship to fear danger and vulnerability isn't it so there and those i think those are really important conversations to have particularly the last one so have you been have you been pleased with how the film's been received invisible ground yeah, yeah, I was really happy with uh, how it was received, and I was also I really wanted to make this film for our community. So I was happy that Natural Selection would take it on board and and show it through their platform, um, because I thought this was a film that should be seen by free riders that are out there that we share the same passion. Um, and I just wanted to sort of raise those questions or or add them to the to the discussion out there like how we perceive risk yeah um because i feel like the sort of uh, the common narrative that we get presented for many years is this this hero narrative of fighting dangers or overcoming dangers of conquering a mountain yeah um and and i thought it was dangerous sometimes you know, it's not general. I wouldn't say generally against risk taking because at the end of the day, it's a very individual decision. Everyone can do that for themselves. It's not on me to to judge, but um, I, it's unfortunate if those narratives kind of lead to people trying to falsely prove themselves or feel like they have to. And, and I think the initial sort of moment for me to wanting to do that film was when I was. Um, uncovering a, a boy 15 years of age underneath that avalanche um, thinking that wow like we may have even had an impact here to well influence uh, young kids in, in their ways to approach the mountains and what they aspire towards um, and, and, and I wanted to sort of question that that classic um, approach to storytelling in, in this in, in free riding and and to do that, there, there really was no one better than Xavier, um, Xavier Delarue, because he has been that hero figure uh, for so long. Um, to that that bear that kind of redefined physics and, and free riding and, and, yeah. and risk taking and all that, and to have him question his own approach um, was was of course really valuable. Yeah, I mean, with Xavier, I'm not going to use the word glamorized. I'm going to use the word valorized. Like his feats, the avalanche, whenever it was, 2008, you know, the, the famous thing, like the shots of him straight lining sheet ice, you know, that's part of the legend, isn't it? And that, and that, and that contributes to this um, picture that you paint there. I mean, you raised so many interesting points. Like I had a, one of the things that just struck me was I had a conversation with a big wave surf photographer called Sashi Cunningham about four years ago. And she talked about the fact that big wave surfing was almost like colonial in its representation you know like this like she was like well it's like it's the it's the next final frontier for men isn't it you know it's like the wild west you know like the the terms it's painted in like and i guess there is an element of that to to big mountain freeriding as well really like there's 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 like you say the words that you use the conquering you know like it it does it does come with those connotations really so it sounds like well i had i had 
obviously this incident that you described with the kid because he died right am i am i right yes so obviously that was a huge catalyst for you and i'm really interested in that theme that you brought up of like basically what your responsibility is as a professional athlete snowboarder in in like putting that person in that situation but before we get to that so we chatted four years ago and when i came to see you in innsbruck and you just shot dark matter i think because i remember you dropped me off at the airport and and then you were like oh by the way i just got back from alaska with travis and we didn't even talk about it in the podcast and i was a bit like fuck we didn't even talk about that um and then obviously dark matter came out which i think was probably 2020 if i remember rightly just before covid yeah and then we did an interview i interviewed you for snowboarders journal and one of the questions i asked you in that now this is i think before this incident and this is before um the idea to make the film because there's a shot in dark matter where you don't ride you decide not to ride because you're not happy with the with the risk i believe i'm paraphrasing correctly and i asked you about that in that interview and because i just reread that interview before we jumped on and i said to you and I and I stand by it like I found that really refreshing because I found that like I can't even think of another example of 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 a film like that where somebody in your position has firstly I mean it, it obviously happens all the time because it happens in any free ride situation people are like actually I'm not comfortable I'm not going to do it but it's never shown in films and I also don't think there's that many people that would have been happy to put themselves in that position of vulnerability to show that in that film so that kind of suggested to me that you were already thinking about this topic you know is that is that fair to say uh yeah yeah definitely and it's actually there's a funny backstory to this um so this was actually right after um i was filming narciss in kosovo yeah um that i got the opportunity from travis to go on this trip to alaska and i was going basically straight from Kosovo to uh, to Alaska. And it was this crazy trip there. But at the time, I was, I was very much with my mind already in filmmaking, and it was almost like a trip back into this performance-driven um, world of snowboarding. Um, but it, it was, yeah, of course, an amazing opportunity to be there and, and all the experiences I could gather. Um, at the same time, I was really interested in just getting to know Travis, him as a character, um, as a human. And I, and I thought this could be also an interesting look to get to know Travis in a little different way because he is that action figure in, in some ways that hardly ever there's a crack to like look behind, behind that um, action figure that we get to see. Um, and just, was, just 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 very quickly on that, I mean, we saw we saw a crack this week in, in natural selection. So we should come back to that because I also want to ask you about that. But ca- carry on, yeah, right. I, I I appreciate, yeah, what you because right. you're a student, you're a keen student of human nature at the end of the day, aren't you? So you right. must have thought like, ah, okay, I get to see how this guy operates. Yeah, yeah, and I thought that he almost stands for this relentless approach of higher, bigger, better. Um, embodied sort of like this almost as in some ways extended American dream, but also Red Bull as a brand, you know, like I think a set of values that, like I said earlier, that that is is really um, pro- provides an orientation for how we seek to live our lives, how we vote and all these things. So like without ever naming it as such, and he has done, done that for 20 years. And, and so I think he had great impact with films like, uh, art of flight and, and 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 all that and 
but then I got to know him as such a sincere person that that is really caring and is is um smart he's thinking a lot he and and i i loved all the things that i saw of him and i thought like wow you never get to see that in films you know he only sort of i understood it almost like a protection like he has that action figure that stands by himself let, stands by himself and let lets him get through this and lets brett's him ride incredibly well like you know it's 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 an, an amazing what sort of this action figure does to him for him but i wouldn't say that he's only that no um and and then i thought this was really interesting and i would love to sort of show the other side um and so we started um having conversation about that actually making a film with travis and and to do that i wanted to already use the opportunity in, in alaska and film there and then one of the moments was when i decided not to write that face we didn't film it back then but i was like hey can we please go back and and actually film that moment because I think it's really valuable to like sort of show that difference between yeah. our approaches and everything. Um, and so we did. And at the end of the day, we we didn't proceed to like make a longer film. We we didn't actually have much of a plan. It was more like, well, two two weeks window. We used it really well, and and then the end of the day, it it became more or less an action film. But all those sort of narrative little snippets that we filmed. Um, were used in that uh, in a different context. Um, but uh, yeah, that's sort of the backstory to it. So when, so you've obviously, I mean, I, I use the word vulnerable and what you were doing there was an act of like real, for a professional snowboarder like yourself, like, you know, that is a vulnerable thing to do. And I think one of the thing, the words that comes up quite often with invisible ground is is that word like it's not only about risk and and fear and danger it's actually about how prepared we are to show vulnerability to make good decisions i think isn't it which is a really important theme of the film um again is that something that you've recognized more as your career's developed as you've as you've gone down this path like firstly the importance of that vulnerability and also the fact that it's never really addressed yeah i really like the term vulnerability uh, because i i guess it in in fact it in, it could mean also as a our physical vulnerability most of all it's addressed that sort of emotional vulnerability but in i think it just in, in incorporates everything um but what we think of when snowboarding when seeing risks it's it's mostly our physical vulnerability or being at risk so to say we put our lives at risk and we overcome it with abilities with experience with all all this uh, sort of uh things that help us to move within those situations but um most of all for me what it is is a sensitivity to a situation what really like helps me take decisions is a gut feeling and i think most other professionals would say the same um that it's not as rational it's it's really like what you feel and that comes down to experiences um that you've made throughout your career so that can be explained quite rationally still yeah but i think those um this gut feeling can be very much influenced by like the idea of having to be someone um so i almost like to see it as a voice in in your in your uh, head or so wherever you want to place it that 
um, you got to be almost quite silent to like listen to it. And then you can take smart decisions. And oftentimes they're, they're pretty accurate in as for what you can do or what not. Um, but, but things like uh, the idea of yourself having to sort of de deliver to that or to group situations and group dynamics, I feel like it makes it almost impossible to listen to this because all this other stuff around gets you so around, you get so loud. Um, and then you, then it's much easier to like sort of take too much risk or step to a place you shouldn't have stepped to. Um, and, and I guess that's where I wanted to come back to, not to say like you shouldn't or you should do this. I don't know. It's never my place to do that, but to just put the focus on, okay, how can we sort of silence that space around us that we have to be someone that we have to fulfill a certain image and try and like, feel what's right for us and 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 incorporate like us as like the most important sensor uh to, to this and and um our gut feeling and i think that goes through say a subject like vulnerability to really put yourself out there um and and i don't know let, let yourself feel that and stand in for it stand in for your decision and in that case for instance in in alaska with travis i didn't feel it i was like overwhelmed by it and i feel like i would have decided over my head if i had written that line yeah. how much of it is linked to ego because that's the thing that always i'm really fascinated by the psychology of being a professional sports person because especially one where like there's so much risk involved because i assume and you might tell me i'm wrong here but i assume that when you're progressing and when you're getting to the point where you might start putting yourself in like really risky situations as part of this journey of becoming a professional snowboarder imagine it's quite a balance that with your ego right imagine there's quite a lot of like telling yourself that you can like the friction between the vulnerability that you talk about and the ego telling yourself that you that you perhaps need to do it to you understand what i'm saying like that's a real i think everyone can kind of recognize that like when when you turn back from something it's it's a it's a difficult thing because part of especially uh, you feel like your ego takes a hit you feel like you're failing you feel like you're you know it's very hard to unpick those conventions which tell you that like turning back is 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 a is a negative thing to do from from an ego point of view so i wonder like how can you is that something you recognize that that relationship yeah for sure and f for me though one of the worst feelings that i can get is when i feel like i let myself down when i put myself in risky situations that i that i regret afterwards yeah uh, when i fall heavily like that's that's really when I feel like uh, the worst, honestly. And when taking a decision uh, where you step back, where you say like, no, that's not for me. I'll, I'll take this other face that's right around the corner or whatever. It actually gives, gives me a confident feeling. So it does the opposite that what you may think. Um, and also in this case with Travis, I loved sitting in the back seat. I was literally sitting in the back seat in the helicopter, but I love the idea of just taking myself a little back and that gives so much freedom to me. No one was expecting me to ride anywhere like Travis or you know, I was like I was in a great place to be honest to to take decisions for myself. Um and and that was really reoccurring 
reaffirming for me. And you need that. That that's not to say that when you drop into a line, you need to be super convinced on what you do. Yeah. Um, not questioning what you do, but how to get to this place. Um, yeah. And I think for me, the way to get there is to really be caretaking of myself in that space and be like, okay, what what what's right for me and what not. And if I do that, then I'm much closer with myself and I can be much more convinced, whatever, riding or taking decisions. Um, and so that's that's an approach for me that really works, works better than if I was too much out what I should or should not do. Then then I really lose myself with those ideas of myself. And I, I honestly write, don't write so well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, I'm imagining ex- that's part of the what the experience is, isn't it? Like the giving you experience, giving you the confidence to make that that decision, like you say. Um, because when you see somebody be vulnerable in that way, there's a lot of power in it. I I always think because it is unconventional, especially for men. Like, and I think I think there is it's an impressive act to other people. I think you know, when somebody has the confidence, and I think you really right to, to term it a confident decision because it what it says is it says well this person knows their own mind and this person understands who they are and they've got the confidence to face it and 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 be open about that and they're not because because that's the barrier isn't it that, that that you have like to 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 be vulnerable it's like it's 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 quite a hard act you know the act of vulnerability so i think i think that's really it is fascinating in this context. And this is again, why I think it's such a great vehicle to explore it. Like something like, you know, high end professional snowboarding, like free riding. So when you came to make the film, okay, well actually let's start with a different question. Um, how did that incident with this boy change? Like what, what was it about that that really made you, I mean, you've talked about, the responsibility that you felt i'm sure the, i'm sure the experience itself was awful um but was that the point where you thought actually okay i really want to i really want to take all these thoughts these themes that have been gathering together and put this into like a, an actual project hmm. yeah i i honestly never knew whether risk taking which is the almost the most obvious subject in, in action sports and the almost the most played out subject as well so I I didn't know whether this would be something I would need to engage as well in and and add sort of my five cents to, but I and I felt like it was almost a very privileged subject as well where we choose to put ourselves and our lives at risk with what we do, um, but seeing that and being so close to it, I was like wow. So and I, actually it was during COVID even so. You know, and I, I realized how much we're effort we're taking to to save lives, and here we are actually risking our lives, and and then this young boy is is um, killed by the avalanche. That yeah, he he triggered himself. So like, I don't know. I thought it was really relevant. It was really important to like question our approach there, um, and not just to like put it aside and think like whatever. It's just a what. Yeah. Um, and 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 like you said, that the responsibility played a role there. Um, but but also, one one other thing that actually I thought was interesting, um, watching Free Solo, I thought it was fascinating how it captivated so many people. This very simple idea of someone t- tries to do something incredibly dangerous and 
does it by his by the sheer control of his body and if he slips he falls and dies it's the, the most simple concept that everyone gets and it's fascinating and i i thought it was really interesting how um how present the idea of control was throughout this whole film and the idea of being able to conquer um sort of this task and and to put your life uh on the line and and then to have this whole community or like so many people cheering up for you if you if you do succeed and if he was to fail then people would maybe talk bad about him you know why would he risk so much um and and i don't know like i felt like just this subject what like how much are we sort of aspiring to this idea of an invincible hero that could even overcome death um how much does that play a role in in what we see in our sport and even in in smaller scale decisions of everyone in their individual scale of like going out there and trying to prove themselves to the mountain how much does that narrative even play a role and and can we sort of add another one to it or can we question that in some ways and that was a real like i thought it was a motivation that um i wanted to just participate in that conversation and add to this i mean you you raise a really interesting point because you you're right success in those endeavors it's like mountaineering like if the, if they succeed the heroes if they fail they're irresponsible and that and that is that that's how capricious that that narrative is basically you know like if and 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 also it's it's i mean this is a bit of a tangent which we just the thought just struck me but it does it, it's quite gender driven as well that like how that you know like if it's a if it's a mother like that that i'm thinking of alison hargreaves who's a famous british mountaineer who died on k2 in the i think the maybe the early 90s who the whole coverage of her was like well you're a mom isn't that really responsible but it's not something that like men fathers get is it you know <laughs> like it's it's very much seen as like again like a natural arena for men but perhaps at points not a natural arena for for women with kids as a as a bit of an aside like i say but yeah it's a really fascinating topic um and you've explained that you thought that xavier was you know the, the, the right person to explore this topic with yeah absolutely because he has sort of that um what's it called i don't, I don't get the right word but uh in his career he survived this incredible avalanche which was just mind blowing that someone anyone could even uh survive that uh myth that's what i was looking for <laughs> that yeah. that myth was around him and yeah. then what he did afterwards wasn't that he was sort of restraining taking it slower but what followed was a 10 year stretch of taking of pushing the boundaries of our sport even further and further in crazier lines mountain studies written um places he's went he, he's gone to and i thought that was just really interesting um personally like to ex understand why he would do that and also from the spectator view like i think that was part of the appeal to like this character xavier oh yeah defeating death almost and then yeah. going out further and controlling it i'm exaggerating now but you know there is this james bond sort of narrative there that i thought was really interesting that 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 i think people aspire towards like yeah you know you can after all control the elements yeah and be that person 
yeah. and and he's a living example for that. Um, and and so I thought this was, yeah, just just fascinating and interesting, and to question with him uh, just that. There's a fascinating sequence um, in the film where he talks about because it feels like he had he had also like a, a couple of moments that that really made him reconsider his relationship with the, these themes that he, he, I think he had a friend that died, right. That he, that he was involved with the rescue and then obviously he's become a father again. And that's clearly like a, something that has caused him to think about like his responsibility as a parent kind of conversely contradicting what I just said earlier, but there you go. Um, <laughs> um, and then, but one the, the fascinating sequence is where you kind of ask him to explain his motivation for those feats that you describe. And it's, it's quite something that like his psychology of like how he approaches those, those areas of high risk. I was watching it and I was a bit like, wow, you are definitely wired quite differently. <laughs> you know, it's almost like he doesn't even understand it as well. It's almost like he's, you know, he's thinking about that relationship himself. Like as you're asking him those questions. Right. Is there something you could uh, rephrase or highlight that that struck you with his I, point I think, of view there? I think it was I, th- I think it was when he was talking about like how I'm kind of paraphrasing cuz it's a couple of weeks since I saw the film but he you know it's the aliveness essentially that he's talking about like when he's in those situations and and almost like he found himself in a pattern of having to seek them out like as as a and it's it's just obviously really complicated that isn't it because because obviously there's an element of the control that you talk about for him like him feeling like the only way he can find the element of control that he wants to get out of life is by putting himself in those situations which is which is a really challenging thought i think i found it challenging you know i found it really challenging i was like that's quite heavy <laughs> really you know, did you get the sense that he'd thought about that before you had those conversations? Um, well, it's interesting because I think a big part of his career was talking about risk, taking immense risks and then talking about it. So it's not like any of these subjects have been new to him. It's almost part of his job description is like to be that character that puts him in huge risks and then people question what he does and like he's explaining it to the outside world and his motivations. Um, so, so you I see, think- so you see that you see that process that you described there almost as part of this myth making that, that you that you identify. Not necessarily consciously that he creates that myth, but we do as a spectator yeah. and we're like, oh wow, that's you do this, mean. and like, and it has been happening that, for so that- many. That's the story, basically. Right. And it has been happening for so many years, you know, going into this film. I did some research, watched old films, and he's talked about risk and all that for so many years. And this idea of, say, feeling alive is the most common description of why people do these sports and and take immense risks is to feel alive. I mean, how many times have we heard that? Yeah, it's a proper, I, it's a trope, isn't it, in, in these conversations, yeah. basically. Yeah. And I don't want to take away from it because I can totally relate to it. It does something with you and it does let you feel alive. You know, you're gripped in so many ways. So, but I wanted to see what's behind that, you know, yeah. where, like, where can we go if we go past that conversation? Um, and, and that's And that's what struck me. That's why I asked, like, do you think he'd thought of it in those terms, you know, because, because it felt like in those conversations, 
they felt very naturalistic the way that you had those conversations as if you were both like, they didn't feel very scripted you know it felt like you were both you you were genuinely exploring the topic in real time and i think with him it felt like there was a few moments of revelation almost as he began to understand it himself a little bit more yeah i think he was um he felt challenged and questions questioned at times and and that wasn't like you know that you see in the film there was almost awkward moments where i'm like not like letting this answer stand for instance i'm just feeling alive or i have control in this or i've gained control in this and then just be like do you actually think so or is that really it is that all like just um trying to go further i think he he was a bit <laughs> put on his toes <laughs> you know i don't know yeah like how to explain it um but it was really um beautiful afterwards i felt like we got to somewhere that we both understood it a little better uh i think and of course i also went into this with an idea you know that i may like i didn't want to necessarily just force onto him in this film with my ideas which is a challenge because i'm like in the film as a protagonist but i was also the filmmaker so i didn't want to just like force my ideas into the film which you can do um so i hope that and in the end it, it seems like he was really happy with how it was shown and he could see himself and his set of values in it represented but also so that this journey we went through together um yeah and and there i think we we did go through something that like we both learned something new in this in this area so what 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 did you learn then personally um you know i think i went into the into this also with that idea like okay so xavier is almost protecting himself from his own vulnerability by trying to prove himself of control in even the utmost dangerous situations. So can I just ask you about that then? So you felt like he, for him, that trope, line, control, live, feeling alive was almost like a bit of a costume that he puts on to enable him to do it. Yeah, a costume to, to enable him to do it. But but also it's so maybe just to, to go back a step. One thing that I also read was that um, people with anxiety from dying, one expression of that might be to take extreme risks. Just to the essential fear of dying might lead you to take extreme risks and prove yourself in control in even the most dangerous situations. So that, that was just an, out of the psychology book that I was. Yeah, I was going to say, is that is that an idea from your studies? <clears throat> yeah, from studying. Is that, so is, that thought, is that is that is that a thing then? Is that is that is that a proven thing? Is that like yeah. a, an area that because uh, I'm not too, I'm not familiar with that. So that is actually a common response, is it that people? Right. That's in, in the heart of it. In psychoanalysis, that was the book, uh, existential psychoanalysis. There, the book that I was reading, um, it was a thing. Yeah, he was describing it as one coping strategy of the existential fear of dying is to like <laughs> counterintuitive some ways take extreme risks and and to prove yourself in control of this because at the end of the day what it is it's it's crushing on us i think that we all have to die and we have no control over the most valuable parts of our lives relationships um in our own life and in so many areas we don't actually have control and to admitting that i think is really hard 
Um, anyways, so I was going into this with my ideas and set of values, yeah. but I think like Xavi has his, and I think they're they're totally, I don't know, legit as well. And I I, I really appreciate also his. Um, openness to share his ideas um, and he's living through this he he just dedicated his life to like free riding and the outdoors and he loves doing it and I don't really want to take away from this I think it was cool to like question some of the aspects that might lead us to take more risks that we should that um, might encourage others to to take more risks that might have almost a toxic masculinity in it but um, I also could see that I don't know. I shouldn't like to some extent, it's also his decision and his choice to live his life a certain way. And I can very much appreciate that and, and, and recognize it as, as is and not having to depict that, um, you know? So I think yeah. there's a, I, I feel like we met somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. And did it change your own view on your relationship with, with risk as a snowboarder? It's a constant, it's really constant battle, to be honest. Um, like, I don't know, like for me, it's not worth it most of the time, but I think of what I do and I take risk into account, like, um, I never come to the conclusion, oh yeah, that's just worth it. And that's just what I'm going to take. So I'm constantly trying to backscale it and, and be like, okay, well, like, how can I minimize my risk? But then again, I like come to a situation where like, oh, I was kind of lucky today again, you know? So it's, it's, it's a constant um, theme for me to like find comfort and security in what I'm doing as a professional athlete. And I can totally see that, I don't know, wanting to deliver for my sponsors for instance just a late light example uh, i don't know last week we had a really bad season in europe obviously and, and didn't gather much um, shots and one of my sponsors nitro is doing a film so i figured i want to do some more for them and, and and do another film day and and so i went up in the high alpine with a filmer and we actually got pretty good conditions but there was not much of a base there was rocks underneath it everywhere um but i still jumped cliffs and did stuff and at the end of the day i had a really bad feeling about myself thinking like okay well i got away with it yeah but i landed close to a rock like from whatever three four meters down and was i just lucky did i just like i don't know get away with it and what led me to do that um <laughs> i don't know would i have done this just cruising around with my girlfriend that day, enjoying myself. How big of a role was that like idea that I had to still deliver or be that person that of course I'm doing it since so long. I know what makes a shot and whatnot. So anyways, it's, it's not a thing where I'm like in peace in. I think it's a constant struggle and it's a constant evaluation. Um, sometimes I'm happier and sometimes less happy with, with my decisions and how I move within. It's certainly sort of at the center of what I do to like be in relationship with that. Yeah. yeah. So now that you've been through this process, you've made the film, you've explored these topics. Do you feel like you you did have a responsibility for that kid's death? Do you do you feel like the the kind of ecosystem that we've described is a contributory factor to those scenarios? Um, yeah. I think certainly there's a collective responsibility amongst us professionals that we create 
these sort of images and this mood and this this idea of you know go out there go get it sort of attitude um that contributed as one factor to his decision to ride into that face eventually trigger it get buried um it's hard to pinpoint it to one you know one's responsibility but i think uh, the culture within that 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 this happens within uh, is also partially a contributor to his decisions um and i and i yeah i guess this much said i think we do have a certain responsibility as professionals um what we put out there and how we can maybe help that this doesn't happen as often anymore or that we maybe learn a different approach to the mountains yeah yeah so um what's next in terms of have you got any other because you've just done you're still studying you've just done your exam like like last week um because i re-listened to the first podcast that we did the other day and i think that was you were just so you you originally studied psychology when you were younger didn't you and then you kind of stopped because snowboarding came along and then kind of felt like you had a bit of unfinished business you know you wanted to go back and kind of finish that those studies so you're still you're still in that process basically you're still it's actually been it's actually been funny because i i have um first um pursued this career as a professional uh snowboarder and and it was really beautiful i really liked it but also i was missing something i'm felt like I wanted to add more to my life and and more sort of content that I was um, really interested in. And so I started studying fairly late, I guess when I was 25 or so. That's when I first started studying psychology. I did it for a couple of years. Um, and it was really great, but the stretch felt like quite big between like pursuing this career as, an, as a snowboarder, um, traveling and, and then moving forward with the studies. And so then... I think with uh, getting into filmmaking, uh, doing contradiction, uh, narcissism is when I actually stopped studying again or paused it as it is now um, because I wanted to just really learn filmmaking and, and, and storytelling. And I thought this was really an amazing opportunity to do that through my, well, um, platform and snowboarding and through the chances I get there, the resources. And so this was almost a focus the last couple of years doing those films um, and now with Invisible Ground, I feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this comes, I'm not sure if to an end, but I, I was happy with rounding it up for a moment there. And I was really intrigued by just continuing to studying as well. And so at the moment, I went back to studying and I have another year or so to go. Um, and I really enjoy doing that. And and aside from that, I, I still um, got into making a new film uh, that that that's a longer project though uh, uh, a close friend of mine a uh, professional skier fabian lenge um <laughs> there's a there's a seagull on the <laughs> outside sorry everyone sorry fina that's peg getting involved um okay sorry carry on uh, elias yeah he's he's a really close friend of mine and he uh, had an accident paragliding accident and got partially uh, paralyzed oh sorry to hear that right um, and so we're we're following him and his journey there as he comes back. The, the, the working title is rewiring as he finds his new re- role in the world. Um, he has been somewhat of a, you could say, poster boy, sunny boy, 
um, just just ever smiling, traveling the world, the the, the picture perfect uh, adventure, and um, and um, and now of course his his life has changed drastically, and and so it's it's open what the future may bring for him, and um, we're just following him. I think that's sort of the setup at the moment, and and I'm uh, going through. Um, a masterclass from documentary film campus, European documentary film campus to develop that film at the moment, which is also interesting. So oh, different nice. route. Yeah. Not, not so much through sort of brands or something. Yeah. Um, so let's see where this goes. Honestly, at the moment, it's a lot with all these different subjects. So I could also see myself like stepping back in that film a little bit at the moment. I'm just developing it, helping it to to start and then see where, where this goes. But yeah, those are sort of the different subjects that I have uh, going at the moment. Yeah. So with a film like that, and I guess it relates to invisible ground as well. Do you, it feels like you let, you kind of let the story unfold as you're making it, you know, like you have the idea, you have the theme, but you don't go into it like a very prescribed idea of like what you want to find. Is that, is that kind of how you approach this stuff? It's much harder now with this new film because it is so fresh. We just don't know where it goes, what his journey may be. Um, so I think that's all we can do. We we reframe it again and again when we feel like, oh, this is an interesting take. Could be this be a, a subject at heart for him, like where where he's going? Um, for the other films, I feel like I actually it was different because I had a subject that I was really like intrigued by it always I, I think for contradiction i saw this controversy of our lifestyle of what we put out there and i i felt like i could never find a way to talk about this without contradicting myself um and yet i wanted to do it i wanted to find more, more authenticity in this and and so i wanted to then i was like all right well let's put the contradiction at the heart of it and and explore this the controversy of what we're doing and and yet to like to speak it out to question it and yet not to neglect sort of my love for snowboarding and so this was a subject and then every like i wanted to to explore this space and then i like had different people like gigi like arthur um people that would represent a different sort of ideas of this uh, um, contact points to explore this and and so this was much easier in some ways to frame but, um, and then with uh, with Narses sort of how winter sports can bring us together um, in an area that will overcome ideas of ethnicity and separation and there in Kosovo, in an area that was defined by war, how, how it really brings people together. And I thought this was beautiful to like witness and, and be sort of part of this this uh, story. And then with Invisible Ground, like we just explored this idea of risk and questioning the hero narrative. So all the time, I feel like I always needed sort of a, a theme, a story that I really was intrigued by. That really um, was the guiding theme for me. And then attached to that I, I needed someone to to explore that with um sort of someone to embody that and in that case in in case of invisible ground it's, it's xavier telling his story and i wanted to more or less also offer him the stage to like do that and and be there with him i mean but it's more me exploring it with him but it's, it's more his story than it is my own um 
and and so I feel like now with with Fabi, it's it's not that easy because it's 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 still happening. I don't know where this is going. Yeah, and I'm very much involved as well. I'm so close to him, so that's why like I could see sort of like involving someone else, maybe a co-director, to bring in a bit of a more of an objective um, role there. Um, but yeah, that's I guess how I feel like it's different from past projects to this one at the moment. Yeah. And what about snowboarding? Uh, whew, I, I love snowboarding. And and I do. it's funny because I I think it's, if I find a setup, which I'm continuously kind of like seeking to, or like building towards a setup that can incorporate those different interests and things I want to do, um, then I can really appreciate my role as a snowboarder more and be really present for that as well. And, and love it for what it is. It's an amazing opportunity to, that I get to do, like go out there, ride, and, and I just love snowboarding. And I get to work with the sponsors that sometimes I've worked with for 16 years. So there's been really close relationships and bonds I've built, and and they support me in those things I want to do, stories I want to tell. So there's, this is beautiful, and I want to continue doing that. But um, I've just realized if this was the one thing I focused only on, it would really leave me a little empty and almost be a one-way street that I could end up at a dead end um, if I was to like run down this path only. Uh, so for me, it really is this idea of like um, engaging in all these different subjects to really be stoked and present in each and every one of them. And, and that's how I can continue see myself continue snowboarding the next years to come if I get to incorporate these other subjects um, in a, in a good way. And I think that's where I'm at. And I don't know how long and how well, like how long I'll keep doing this and how well all of this works. But at the moment, I'm really happy with sort of this newfound balance and I'm looking forward for the next years to come. And yeah, I mean, it seems like you've got the balance, you know, like, cause you're, you're at, you're at that point, aren't you, where you, you're obviously thinking like, well, what, what's the future hold? Like, what am I going to be doing? Um, this career is not going to last forever but obviously you've managed to f- done the quite difficult thing of managing to find a way of combining all of these interests creatively as well you know like with the with these these projects and these explorations which must be quite gratifying really yeah yeah um yeah it really was for me when i when i got engaged in in, vis- uh, in contradiction i knew that i couldn't didn't really want it to continue pursuing this career if I didn't find a way for more authenticity um, for something that I see value in, in what I was doing. Um, And I, you know, after say 10 years or so of pursuing this career and putting this idea out, okay, go get it, uh, travel the world, best snow everywhere. I just was like at premieres and thinking, okay, this is all I do. This is who I've become. <laughs> um, so anyways, like, I think it's a constant struggle and it don't, doesn't stop now, like at the place that I'm at, but I'm happy with sort of catching up to where I was aspiring to go to. And, and, and right now it's, it's good. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you watch AK natural selection the other day? Yes. That was quite a slam that Travis took yes. with, uh, with, and, and it, it reminded me of you cause I knew we were going to be having this, chat and yeah it was it was ethically quite interesting i thought that you know the the the, i mean firstly thank god he was all right but then the fact that he kind of carried on riding (laughs) was was quite 
yeah, like I, I don't know if I'm being really honest. I'm not sure how I felt about it. Like I, I kind of, I kind of wish he'd not ridden again, really, because he, he he looked like quite concussed, and he looked he'd obviously like really hurt himself. And yeah, I just I just yeah, I wonder what your thoughts were on that, really, as a as a as an a friend and an observer in light of this sort of conversation that we're having. I, yeah, I was struck. Like I was really shocked first off to see him fall that heavily and, and knocked out for a second as it looked. But I was, so I was confused, honestly, most of all, I was confused because I thought like, how, how can he continue riding and ride so well as well? Yeah. That was how can correct. he put himself together? It almost felt so to me, if I think of it now, like that we talk about, it, it almost felt like there was a crack in this idea of like Travis, you know, this, invincible action hero and this crack closed a split second later and he was back to travis mode and he was he, he i don't know it was amazing it was fascinating the way yeah. he was framing it uh when when arriving at the finishing gate the way he was framing sort of what just happened the way he was riding afterwards all of it was like oh n- nothing happened um and so i don't know like honestly i just don't know like wasn't maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked maybe maybe it wasn't and it was okay maybe it was and he was kind of like really swallowing it so crazy and but then you know he got what he wanted so who am I to say like it wasn't right like he could ride well and I don't know it's just I'm I'm just fascinated sort of ever again with with Travis to see him yeah. Like like you say, it was almost like you could see him doing it in real time, which was a which was the real revealing kind of glimpse of it all, wasn't it? And also I think like you say, I think there's a lot of shock because because it was I mean you could hear it on the commentary, there was a bit like, oh fuck, you know, like um but to see to watch him process it, to watch him almost like as an act of will, you know, like put himself back together and get back into that state that he could go up and then ride like he did was yeah was was uh was quite quite something to see really yeah yeah it's, it's i don't know sometimes i just feel like in those moments yeah i could just kind of like put my set of ideas and values over it and and almost like go to a judgment but i don't know i'm just fascinated i look at it and yeah. i'm like whoa okay so that's that's quite a trip like what you put yourself through and but also what you're capable of like yeah i'm just fascinated like what what he's capable of um i don't know i i guess sometimes i'm just intrigued or curious what what do you do if you have been the best snowboarder um in the world for most of your life and what do you do with this like now he, he built a platform, he built a career for himself, like, or he's built a platform where, again, he's, he's very obviously the best. It's not even a big question. I think in many of those stops, he has been very obviously the best. But I don't know. It's an, I think it's, it's not easy to go from there and to let go of a role or to, to evolve it further. I, I don't know what you do from it. Like if you ride like Travis does, wouldn't you want to like show it? Wouldn't you want to express this talent and and do what he does but then it's also hard because it separates a little bit him from the pack he wants to build a community but he also really separates himself from this community the other riders there's been a certain controversy that i like pick up on so i think it's it's not an easy place for him to be and i understand why he does what he does but i also 
don't think it's like super easy. And I don't know if winning for him always feels the best. Yeah, I think you, I've picked up on that as well. I mean, basically, there's quite an interesting debate out there right now, isn't it? Uh, isn't there about natural selection after after this AK leg? And because I put a post on my Instagram and I like on the stories and put a little question box and just said, did everyone watch AK? What did they think? And I got like quite a lot of people come back and quite a few people saying basically he should stop riding it. Like he's there was one that was like him winning it and him riding is is undermining the credibility of it now um and and i think you just articulated that tension really well you know like the 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 try to build a community but all but also by the nature of who he is almost setting himself apart from that community and i think what you've articulated is what people that are starting to sort of push back a bit against natural selection are kind of seeing really you know they're, they're picking up on that thing they're probably not articulate as well as you just did but they're and it is it is a really fascinating thing isn't it like to see where it'll where it'll go really because having had a very minor role in that event there's absolutely no doubt in the world that travis is is extremely sincere about what he's trying to do for snowboarding like it is very much not an ego like it, it's 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 very much not him about creating this thing just so that he can be the best, even if that is one of the consequences of it. <laughs> he is genuinely trying to do something that he thinks is going to push snowboarding. So it's I'm I'm pretty fascinated by the next year or two with that event. I'm going to be going to be really interested to see how it evolves. I yeah, I honestly I couldn't agree more, and that's how I got to know him as well. Like the m- amount of whatever time effort he put into setting this contest up is insane. Yeah. Like all the things that went behind closed doors, like that he's done to like get so much money, even into our sport and, and use everything he's built throughout his whole career to put this thing up is, is really mind blowing. And he's done it not for him to just build a a stage that he can dance on. Um, I think there would have been more easier ways for him to do that, but he wanted yeah. to leave a, leave a legacy, yeah, in the sport that like con- have a contribution, and he really cares about it. And I really believe that like he has a sincere interest in in building something. And I just think by the nature of of competitive competitive snowboarding, you know, you get thrown and like, of course, he chooses to be there, but it does something to him. And I can see that in every one of the riders, you know, you get competitive and then you try and do good. And then like, it just has its own sort of dynamic and its own logic. And he just is only human. And I think we all would be human, like being really good at something. You participate in this contest and you're in this space and you like, you know, like, I don't know all the things that I see there, I could very much identify with and, and relate to. And, I don't know. I think it's still challenging. And I think those criticism is not like it's, it's fair to like bring up, but I also think that what he's doing is, is not like by any means rigged or like over no. self-centered in, in no, any, I, like he's no, doing, but, but, but there are, yeah. there are optics, aren't there? Like it, whether you like it or not, you know, at this point, like there is a, there is a perception building out there because of the way it's unfolded that you, you know, back to that word control again, even Travis can't control. So I think, I think it's just, it's going to be interesting, like to see, to see how it, like I say, how it unfolds really. What about you? Like we, we invited you 
this year, but you sort of, you kind of turn it down, didn't you? And then, but then we were a bit like, <laughs> ah, Jules, like I quite like the Jules looks kind of good. Um, yeah, do you think yeah, you'd like to ride it? One. Do you think you'd like to ride it again? Or that honestly is the, such a challenging question for me because for me, that's the one thing that I just love the idea of, of like this type of terrain that, it, that you get to ride there is, is really at the heart of the snowboarding that I love. Uh, especially uh, the stops in Alaska and and, and in Canada, um, and and seeing that is fascinating to me. And, and of course, there's a part in me, the little kid almost that grew up wanting to be, you know, a great snowboarder, wanting to show that as well. And having the chance to do that on this stage would be amazing. And I'd love to, you know, for instance, go back to Alaska. I haven't been there for since Dark Matter, um, almost because I wouldn't allow myself to like yeah, fly around the world and for sustainability reasons as well. Like it doesn't really, so there's all these different interests and different hearts beating in my chest, I feel like, but one of them being, yeah, like performance snowboarding. I love that. I love that idea. And I still do. Um, and I think the, and, and, and thanks for, yeah, the opportunity there. Like I, I love the opportunity, but I felt like at the stage where I was at in my life, I wanted to really focus on, on kind of, getting everything else sort of lined up like with studying with the film that I was doing Fabi and and I felt like I wasn't if I was to engage in to this route which which is almost like a tunnel vision you know you it's not just uh, this week that you're there but it's almost like a season you're it's a mindset that you throw yourself into yeah and I feel like that would have really pulled me into this role as a snowboarder no matter how well or bad it goes um and that's like at this time, I felt like I didn't want to just um, engage as much into this. I wanted to put more effort into the other areas. And and like you said, when I did hear, oh, okay, there's the, you know the duels. Like this is this is much easier for me to imagine to just like um, to participate without a ton of preparation, whereas riding Jackson Hole, like I would have to get into park riding, hit big jumps again. It's different than like you know, riding yeah. natural terrain, which I would like to do anyways, but Jackson Hole, it's its thing for itself. And like, I'm not really doing big jumps anymore. So I'd have to really throw myself into that space to somewhat have a chance or yeah. also live up to the opportunity that I was given. So I think that was a difference where it's like, oh, well, if it's like, you know, just filming, I like the idea. <laughs> anyways, it's all good. But it just reflects on sort of where I'm at with this back and forth. It's not a yeah. clear cut decision. It's something that comes up again and again. But I was at the end of the day happy that I focused on on developing these other things to find a more balanced sort of approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, well, that was brilliant, Elias. Thank you. Always, always love chatting to you. Um, what, how's the rest of your your day looking? What have you got on? Um, well, I'm actually going to a friend's party now. Um, and, nice. Uh, yeah, I, I really, I'm so much uh, looking forward for spring and summer now. I feel like now this is really the those days that I switch the gears, and um, I'm really enjoying this for what's to come. So there you go. That was our chat and I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, and I'm going to do a bit of promo, um, tick that box. The best thing you can do is to head over to my Substack page at lookingsideways.substack.com. Join the discussion. You can leave me a comment on this episode page and people are slowly getting the hang of that and 
there's now starting to be some really interesting discussions after each episode. So join in. Uh, while you're there, you can sign up as a free or even a paid subscriber, which is um, what is currently helping me keep the podcast free and ad-free for everybody. Now, I've been very delighted and surprised by the support I've received from people opting to become paid subscribers on Substack. So much so that Substack sent me a little badge the other day to confirm me as one of their best sellers, um, which was nice. So, yeah, head over to Substack. There's a lot going on over there. I mean, there's a massive body of work on there now. I basically publish an episode every Sunday, a blog every or open thread every Tuesday, and the 10 things every Friday, which you will receive if you sign up. Um, if that's not your bag, but you still want to support the podcast, then you can do so by buying a copy of my book, Looking Sideways, Volume 1, which is still available over at my main website, www.wearelookingsideways.com. All right, that's enough of that. I might have to go and have a shower. I'm fucking shit at that bit. Housekeeping Corner. All right, great chat. Big thanks to Elias for coming on the show and sharing his wisdom and insights so openly and generously. If you haven't watched the film yet, what are you waiting for? Get on YouTube, go and have a gander. I shared it in 10 Things a few months ago. So if you are a 10 Things ledge, you'll have probably seen it. So yeah, housekeeping corner question for you. Does our little world need yet another panel discussion podcast? Now I ask this because my pal and very much a friend of the show, Jonathan Weaver has been encouraging me to road test a, fa- a panel format. And he said panel format then. Um, easy for me to say. A panel format. Now, why did this come about? Well, me and John chat about ideas very frequently, usually on WhatsApp. And we were chatting about the AK leg of natural selection, actually, which has definitely been the most controversial leg yet for a couple of reasons. And we were just talking about that. And it came up again. And he was a bit like, "We should, you should do a panel. And I was like, well... Yeah, I guess maybe, you know, maybe we could get John on there. We started talking about who could be on there and I was thinking, well, it might be quite a good paid subscriber perk, really, um, you know, every now and again. Uh, I'm aware that that's obviously what the Nine Club do with their little spin-off and I think I think the Bomball have done something like that and obviously it's what Cote and Todd Riches do every week. So that's why I asked the question, do we need another one? John was a bit like, I think people like your perspective on this stuff. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. So uh, let me know. And I might just road test one anyway, because it might be a laugh. It could be quite funny getting a roving cast of uh, attendees each each month or two. So, yeah, anyway, let me know what you think. Incidentally, speaking of natural selection, I was lucky enough to have the great Liam Griffin, natural selection event organiser, as my open thread guest this last week. Um, now, the open threads are rapidly becoming one of my favourite parts of the Looking Sideways universe. Basically, as mentioned, I do them every two to three weeks on Substack, and essentially, people get the chance to ask somebody whatever question they want. So I've had Tom Kay from Finisterre, I had Hugo from um, uh, Oceana and he's a service concierge and then I can't remember what his new gig is I had a really good open thread on allyship and um, yeah it's basically really interesting because it means the listeners and readers can ask questions and as usual I mean they're usually really insightful and I think the guests have sometimes found it quite challenging so um, if you haven't caught up with the latest open thread with Liam Um, which is an incredibly insightful look at the the behind-the-scenes reality of natural selection, as well as Liam's takes on some of the more challenging questions about the judging, the future of natural selection, and Travis's role. Um, 
then you should definitely check that out. You can find it over at my Substack, as mentioned, www.lookingsideways.substack.com. All right, that's it for this week. Um, by the time this comes out, I'll be in France, our new gaff in Normandy, where myself, Boog and Peg will be starting on our build. And this entire new mission in France um, should be a good one. So um, I'll be back anon. Nice one.